Bring your school's legacy to life with the Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. Our interactive display highlights your greatest moments and top performers, both past and present, across athletics, academics, and the arts. But it's also so much more. With our one-of-a-kind content program, we help you every step of the way so you can tell more compelling stories that will engage your whole community. In episode 16 of the AD Podcast, we're joined by Nick Farman, a professional scout for Catapult Sports, focused on the states in the Pacific Northwest. For those who have never heard of Catapult, Catapult exists to unleash the potential of every athlete and team. Operating at the intersection of sports science and analytics, Catapult products are designed to optimize performance, avoid injury, provide video analysis, help facilitate recruiting and scouting, and quantify return to play. Catapult works with more than 3,800 elite teams in over 100 countries globally. They work with the Kansas City Chiefs, Golden State Warriors, Manchester City, and numerous top-tier Division I institutions, to just name a few. Nick is also an aspiring athletic director, which we definitely dive into. Together we discuss the Pirate, Coach Mike Leach, and some personal stories that Nick and Scott have to share, professional scouting, and steps to take to get your foot in the door when you're an aspiring athletic director. This podcast is created by two NIAAA teaching faculty members who want to talk sports, life, and help interscholastic ADs worldwide navigate their current situation and questions. I'm Freddie. I'm Scott. We hope we can get you to laugh, learn, and enjoy us along with our AD guests and providing a little levity to the profession of athletic administration. This is the AD Podcast, where we fully understand what AD truly stands for. You're working all day, after dark, and handling all duties. Freddie, we're back in the day. This time, this episode is going to be fascinating because I was trying to find through... You know, uh, we I don't think I've seen a lot of content about recruiting and scouting for, you know, college entity, you know, colleges going into the high school area. But today we're bringing on someone that literally does it. Yeah, this should be a good one. This is, you know, as an AD, obviously you you go through this, but it's it's mainly just helping the the student athlete and the, and the families uh, reach out to maybe some coaches they don't have a contact with or whatever, but it's, it's very, um, I guess, limited in kind of what, what we did versus kind of what we're going to talk about today. Well, yeah, I, I mean, definitely going to be a, a tool to know that probably exists. You might not even know the, this type of scouting recruiting exists in your area, or you maybe have never met the individual that does it, um, or the company that, you know, might be around there. So the, it'll be interesting to dive into the kind of the ins and outs of this one, just because we haven't had that conversation about this, at least on our pod, let alone, I, I don't see it. I mean, you don't see a lot of literature that comes out through like, you know, the NIAAA or anything like that about, about it. But obviously this is a large thing, especially in division one athletics, probably any, any level, but you know, for sure you see it prominently across ESPN with division one and, you know, who's going where and, you know, their scouting grades and all whatnot. So it'll be fun to actually pick, pick the brain of this gentleman. I uh, also on this episode, just to tease it, we're going to talk about aspiring AD pieces, you know, kind of like, you know, how do you get your foot in the door? What, where do you find jobs? Like where the, you know, where do you post these things? And then uh, we're going to get into just a lot of different little pieces along the lines of uh, just doing that the, you know, the right way and, and who to reach out to and how to get your, how to get started. Uh, it's, it is, it's kind of a who you know and and how much are you willing to put your time in for free? Uh, because I think you and I probably both went that route when we went to get our our first AD gigs going. So I'll intro our our guest unless you have anything you want to add before we uh, bring him into the conversation. No, that I think that's going to be a good 
good little uh, uh, topic to discuss there towards the end too. Just kind of you know what to do, what we did, and kind of what the way it, it looks um, nowadays. Well, especially I'm going to tease another episode we're going to have coming out in in probably a month from now. Hey, just to, to put it in perspective for the sports talk today, we are recording on September 7th, Thursday, September 7th. So some of the stuff we're going to talk about uh, for y'all listening uh, is going to be a couple weeks old uh, in terms of the, the, the sports piece. But an episode coming out probably after this when you're listening to it, uh, we're going to have a first year AD on with us that met Freddie at a conference and it'll be interesting to kind of pair the two of, you know, you have an inspiring uh, athletic administrator wanting to get into the profession as well as you're going to have a first year that's talking about the struggles of what that looks like going, going through the mud of getting the keys co- tossed away and you didn't duck fast enough. So I uh, it'll, it'll be fun. Let's bring on our gentleman for the episode today that we're going to get into uh, what recruiting and scouting looks like in the in the in the interscholastic realm for colleges. We're going to my neck of the woods, Washington State. He is a Boston Red Sox fan, New England Patriots fan, Boston Bruins fan. I know you all heard Washington State and you thought I'm about to get all the Seattle teams. He is a Seattle Sea Dragons fan. He's an inspiring athletic director. And for the purpose of the pod today, he is a professional scout. Welcome to the pod, Mr. Nick Farman. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, Nick. I, uh, you know, I, maybe give a little bit of a background just because I didn't give a huge intro on, on you know, who you work for, what you do. I don't know how far you want to go into that, but kind of give like the the 20,000 foot view of, of your job as a professional scout. Yeah. So my background kind of started while I was an undergrad at Central Washington. Uh, where I was go, facing that go career. Yep, go Cats. Sco Cats, if you're really into it, and the Ellensburg community. Um, but it started with, you know, everyone's inevitable playing career coming to an end. Um, and I had the harsh reality check of that after an injury. And I couldn't clear-cut walk away Um, from sports as a whole and I know all of us in the industry feel that Um, so I decided to go meet with at the time the head coach was Ian Shoemaker who's now the OC at Hawaii Um, and I just wanted to ask like how can I be a part of things and you know maybe coaching is the right track all that kind of stuff Um, and instead he said well we need kind of more value in this and that was kind of more of the recruiting and early prospect identification thing, because being at a division two school that central is um, a lot of times there's a gap of information that they don't get early access to. And if you don't have someone on staff to really do that for you, no coach has the time to actually do that between all the other things like meetings, uh, your current roster, management, um, intrinsic meetings with administration for your university. So I took that upon myself and I had already started a platform for recruiting for the entire Northwest. Um, I basically took every principle that I was doing for that and applied it to finding the best fit for Central, which is its own niche market uh, and type of prospect for a university that you would want to bring into the school 
So I did that and I came back and slapped uh, at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> after practice. I slapped a 400 plus prospect sheet uh, just for Washington uh, on his desk. And he's kind of laughed a little bit and was like, how about you just do this for us? Um, so that's kind of where it started for me. And then I did that as an intern for a year. And then after that, kind of got promoted to more of a full-time assistant that led to earning another internship at Weaver state down in Utah, uh, under Jay Hill and then Grant Duff, who is still the co DC, uh, down there in Jay Hills. Now, uh, he left the head coaching position, but now he's a full-time DC at BYU. Um, after returning back from that, uh, coach, Chris Fisk is the head coach at Central and knowing what I was capable of doing and helping them with still and still finishing my undergrad. Um, he kind of offered me, you know, the whole stipend plus, uh, you know, being a part of game day, stuff like that and helping with the recruiting visits when you have kids on campus for game days and what does that look like and kind of the on-campus recruiting department side of things. But because you're division two, um, the, <laughs> the recruiting department does basically everything together as long as you have those individuals. Um, so there was a lot of pamphlet preparing and uh, what information can I gather about our university that not only the kids would love, but the parents would love to see and know about. Um, that's unique. Um, I, I've been through all of it, but my specialty was understanding player personnel science and uh, finding the right fit via the concepts of NCAA compliance um, and your best match type of thing. After COVID and my final year at Central for the season, uh, come January after the first rendition of the new signing era, uh, you guys know this name potentially being down where you're at. Um, but I ended up connecting with J.R. Sandlin at Oklahoma. And at the time he was between um, Jackson State or Jacksonville State um, and Oklahoma. And he told me where he was going to take a job, but he wanted to help me out and learn more about me and stuff like that. So after that basically transpired for one to two weeks, um, I ended up connecting with both Alex Simpson and Kyle Morgan who work for catapult sports. And that transpired into somehow getting a phone call from the director uh, for catapult and our scouting service and Jr. getting the job at Oklahoma getting the HR paperwork side of things done. And that was his first thing was to say, okay, we're going to go uh, utilize these recruiting and or scouting services. And he was having a sales meeting with our national director and our director of sales for um, catapult. And they basically said like, Hey, if you want to come on board with what we offer as a national package is kind of what it's called. Um, plus everything else, this is what it is. And uh, we have someone planned to join us for that side of the region. And that was the Northwest. 
being that I would be responsible for scouting Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Alaska. And that has been my specialty anyway. So it was almost like a seamless fit. Uh, JR said, well, instead, I actually have a recommendation too, because I have seen what he's been doing. Um, I trust him. I know that he knows every single kid that is talented. He knows what that talent looks like. Um, and he's been doing it for a while. So do you mind if I like recommend that person? And they're like, yeah, sure. We'll take any recommendations. That sounds great. And probably when he said that at the time, uh, they were probably thinking it was someone else and not me because they had been talking to me for a week or so by now. Um, and he said my name and they're like, oh, yeah, perfect. That's actually who we were uh, planning to hire. We had been talking to him. So that's even better. Um, so I kind of got the thumbs up and the recommendation from JR. And since then, uh, I've been working for Catapult Sports. And for you guys who aren't familiar or anyone else in the field, um, Catapult is an international data and analytics company that specializes in wearable performance technology for sport and overall athlete health and monetization. And they purchased a few years back um, the company that most likely some administrators uh, would be familiar with whether or not they were an athlete. Um, but the more notable company in America was Exos Digital or XOS Digital for those who might be familiar with either one. Um, that company just so happened to also offer the scouting service. So when Catapult uh, acquired and then merged over everything from Exos Digital, they realized how valuable uh, both in marketing and outreach and all the kinds of benefits that you would want as a sales company uh, for technology that the scouting service uh, scouting service could provide um, in direct marketing. And they've kept the scouting service since, and we've been rolling to say the least uh, ever since. And that's kind of what we do. So I, I've been, doing that now for two years that's quite the adventure nick the best part is is it's no different than how any other you know the best way people talk about getting into something is it's not always i mean it's great to know things but it's also great to have people that you know that you can network with obviously you did that very well uh through the different situations that you had so i mean like do you We'll get into this in the meat of it because I have I I just jotted down a ton of uh, multiple questions for this uh, this topic, but I'm going to segue slightly. I appreciate the recap. I'm going to sl segue slightly because again, it's September seventh. I want to roll back the clock for Freddie because I just want his I just want his opinion because I'm totally going to tag Clemson football on this, maybe even Dabo on this one because I would love to get Dabo on this podcast somehow. I don't know. I don't know how, but just to make Freddie's day to get Dabo on here, which is brighten his day, but that's not going to brighten his day when we talk about what happened on Labor Day for him. So uh, you want to give me your recap of, of Clemson football? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, um, I would, I would, I would love to have uh, Dabo on here. I've, I've heard him speak uh a good bit. And, you know, I, I sit next to one of my basketball coaches at the time as a Georgia fan. And, and he was listening. He's a, you know, how do you not want to follow this guy? Right. I mean, he, he's, I think he's right up there, you know, with, with some of the great leadership talks that we've, we, we've had on here. Um, but yeah, it was not what um, we were expecting. 
Now I will, I'll, hey, I'll, I will put it out there. Duke played a phenomenal game, right? I mean, they, they, they played well. You know, they were, everything was hitting for them. Um, secretly, we, I, you know, me and my wife, and you know, if you follow me on on any of the socials, you would have saw it. Uh, secretly, we were we were uh, cheering for number five on Duke, um, Jalen Calhoun, because he was actually um, the quarterback of the school of the school that I was the AD for. Um, and got to go through the, through that whole recruiting process with him and and um, and getting to meet the the coaches at the time and and so you know that that, that was a fun time so yeah we we were we were cheering for him and but uh, yeah it was not not pretty I I think what what it, the thing is is it's got it's going to take Cade and and Riley a little bit to to get on the same page um, and I think that's the problem with with um, college football is there is no scrimmages, right? Mm-hmm. There's no preseason like there is in high school and professional. Um, so you come out with pretty much a, a brand new quarterback and a brand new uh, offensive coordinator. And, and, you know, you, you've got to figure things out. And, you know, in high school, we figure those out in scrimmages or preseason tournaments or, or whatever. Um, I mean, I think they'll be, I think they'll get there. Um, I mean, defense, defense looked great. Um, I think they looked okay. Um, we just, I mean, you, you can't score when you fumble the ball two times on, on the goal line. So, um, like I said, I, you know, I still, I still bleed, still bleed orange and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that to the day I die. But, um, yeah, we, we definitely have, uh, an uphill battle to climb because Florida state is lurking in a couple of weeks, probably around the time this, this episode comes out. So I was it, just going to be interested. how many weeks till the Seminoles, till you and the Seminoles face off. Is it, is it in September? Yes, it's it's in it's not not this week. Well, the, our second game is Charleston Southern. I believe it's the the following. I have to look look at it, but oh, we yeah, hit but... them we hit them early this year. Usually, Florida State's not till November. Once once we're we're rolling, so it, it'll be it'll be interesting. Oh well, so then you want to forecast because definitely everyone's going to be listening to this pod after that game happens. What, what's your yeah. score <laughs> prediction? What's your I, score prediction? I think it's going to come down to a, a field goal or a touchdown either way. Um, I, I sure hope so. I mean, I hope we, we get our stuff together against, you know, this weekend against Charleston Southern. Um, and again, a, a very good, you know, smaller division team, but hopefully we can, we can figure some things out against them and, um, and, and be ready for it because it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a struggle because they, they looked good against LSU. So it's going to be, um, I think it's uh, hopefully it's going to be close, but I'm, I'm going to call it, you know, a, a field goal or a touchdown, hopefully on the orange side. But I think it's, you know, it's going to go either way there. Nick, what, uh, what, what do you follow any college, any college football teams? You got, you got a favorite? Absolutely. Um, yes. Um, for the sake of being in the business, I try to not say who I'm a fan of, uh, That's but as fair. far as That's conference, fair. yeah. As far as conferences go, um, I was kind of on the same concept of fanship, and I know it's like a cardinal sin for us out here, but I knew that the realignment was going to come at some point, and this was like six or seven years ago. Um, I've always been more of a Coug, so I'm a Washington State fan. Um, I identify with that school more so than the other over here on the west side of the mountains my undergrad you mean my alma mater all right that's go dogs not yeah see georgia go dogs (laughs) uh that's why i love coach mike uh 
for saying that in that hype video, if you saw that. Um, but yeah, bow down, never, not a chance. Um, but you got to win games. Like, you got you got to win games against us. Not not bow down. Just FYI. Correct. But as long as you don't bark in my face as a grown man, we don't have problems. <laughs> well, you need to go to a uh, University of Georgia game. <laughs> There's a lot of barking yeah, well, that happens with that. Oh my word. Oh, between them or like the nice fan bases, but punishingly nice, like Nebraska fans or Wisconsin fans. Um, But as far as the national scene goes, I was more of a UW fan in general because they were the bigger brand. Um, And in years past, they would recruit in state uh, very well. So I'm always a big fan of that. Um, But as far as on a national level, I was always more of a, uh, Alabama and honestly, Texas tech, just because again, I identify with that little brother thing. Like, okay, let's see if they can be the people's champion school. Um, that Wazoo's always kind of been when everybody else would struggle and they had a good recruiting class come through and develop the talent. Um, but Texas tech as a national thing. Uh, but as far as the West coast thing goes, it's always been Washington state or Washington. I can't, I can't leave the state lines for my fanship on that. I'm just glad you didn't say Oregon. Uh, I can't. I can't. I love. <laughs> I love going to Pullman for 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 football games. Hated going to Eugene. That is an ugly rivalry for us for University of Washington and UO. That is an ugly rivalry. Uh, if you very want to talk ugly. about, yeah, it's very ugly. You barely get out of your car in purple in in Eugene, and and you have beer coming at you somehow. Um, so that's always fun, but. We did it to ourselves. I'm pretty sure we're the ones that started started the the hatred on that when uh, UO came back in the 80s, I believe. So <laughs> I, I I can't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about it too much because I think UW started it. So can't can't put it there. Sounds like you kind of like Mike. I, I loved Mike Leach. I, I'm uh, right. I'm not a I'm not a WSU fan, but I loved Mike Leach uh, from his Texas Tech days to to being at uh, WSU to obviously Mississippi State. But he, uh, I'm assuming you you related with Mike leech too because that's that's kind of the the tie between those two schools absolutely um i was actually recruited at a high school by a coach on staff during the leech era towards the beginning um i'm relatively young still i like to say that just to make it clear for everybody but um i'm 26 and at the time it was a running backs coach and a linebackers coach, but both couldn't really uh, <laughs> grasp whether or not I'd be a better fit for their side or one for the other. And uh, unfortunately, being Mike Leach's offense uh, for the air raid, I wouldn't have a role anyways on that roster because I would be uh, I'm the right player, just the wrong generation where I did like to hit people in the mouth and watch your face mask break. Um, So I'm more of a fullback type of person or just play linebacker. But unfortunately, being uh, only a legitimate six foot on the dot (laughs) to play in the Pac-12, you got to be a lot longer and taller than that nowadays and a lot faster than I was at the time. Um, So they, I would go on these recruiting visits with them, and I've always been a Mike Leach fan. Same thing, right? The fanship of, same mentality the people's champion he had great success at texas tech and some for some reason he saw washington state as a uh job step up 
in terms of career um, as a head coach, which is phenomenal and a reminder that people should know about uh, with this conference realignment. But he was probably the most interesting man alive at that time. And I like to remind people of that, that it wasn't the Dos Equis guy that people would see on commercials. It was 100% Mike Leach. I, even to before he passed and he was still coaching up here at Wazoo, um, there were certain camps that he would go to uh, and watch particular players that he was of interest. And talking to him for 30 minutes one time, and I probably shouldn't say this because it distracted him uh, from watching certain kids at this camp, but for 30 minutes we did nothing but talk about the Lincoln assassination and his theory on who did it. (laughs) Uh, And that conversation completely was started by him and it just kept spiraling into, well, you know, what about this like detail that came out in this report and stuff like that? Um, Cause I'm a history kind of person as well. And so just to hear him go off on a tangent, And then he said uh, during high school, because he would remember me, that he had like a folder of information that he would keep at his home office on this. So he's just one of those. uh, He was one of, unfortunately, just the most unique people uh, that I've ever met, but just an awesome person and legendary coach and personality as a whole. (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up. We'll try to wrap up this part and get to the meat here, but I, uh, I had the pleasure same thing. So again, UW fan, university of Washington. I loved my, have, I've read his books. I love, I love what the pirate is. Right. And, and he's like his own guy at the, I was an athletic director at the time. And there's a kid that was being recruited. Uh, Chris Peterson came through, met with him. Mike Leach came through and, Mike Leach just was on the sidelines and I'm standing there. He, it was for the other school, but he, I was the host site and, and he's standing there and I went over and I just was, I wanted to say hi to Mike because I'm like, he's fascinating. I'm going to totally just say I'm a, I'm a UW alum and I just want to see where it goes. We talked about, we talked about the Reagan, Reagan administration. And then he told me that he loves sandwiches and he's talking about like, where do I get a good sandwich right now? And I'm like, and, and he's totally there. He has, you know, he's taking notes on his, on, on the, he has this old notepad that he had with him that literally has a pirate flag on it. And, and he's taking, you know, scribbling down notes. He goes, I'm not even going to be able to read these later. Um, he goes, I'm going to need all that footage from your cameras up there. <laughs> and and I, it was the most like, I probably I only had about 20 minutes and I just wanted to go say hi to him and, and say that I love what he does there. And I love that, you know, the rivalry is what it is because you and Chris Peterson make it more fun. Like, right. Right. And 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 we didn't talk one lick of Cougar football. We didn't talk one lick about what's happening on the football field that night. We literally talked about like what you just said. You had the Lincoln assassination. I had the Reagan administration and we talked about <laughs> where to get a good sandwich after this game. He goes, this is a small town. There has to be somewhere might be open when, when this game's over for me to go get a sandwich before I fly out. <laughs> and, and I just died. Uh, I just died because uh, you know, he was, he was like literally the most interesting individual to talk to because I, if you listen to other interviews with Mike, he never like his press interviews are legendary because of the fact that he would go on these tangents and he just was a very intellectual individual. Um, so, I mean, it is sad that he's not with us anymore, but uh, just some fun stories to talk about there, but we're going to uh, hit an ad break here. And when we come back, we're going to dive into uh, just the ins and outs of how recruiting works for high schools, as well as kind of what to expect when you're, when you're talking with someone that is uh, with 
the profession that Nick's in, as well as uh, just some tidbits of aspiring AD uh, pieces on when you want to get your foot in the door and how to get into the profession. So we're going to hit this ad break from our sponsor, Wall of Fame, and we'll see you in a few seconds. Hi, I am John Townsend, the CEO of Vital Signs, and we are proud to partner with the AD Podcast. We believe in their vision to make continuing education enjoyable while they support our Wall of Fame product and its ability to bring your school's legacy to life. Congratulations to Scott and Freddie on the kickoff to a great inaugural season, and thank you for tuning in. All right, Nick. The the bulk of probably our listenership is high school athletic directors, and we have a really solid mix of of coaches and whatnot um, that that listen in too. Uh, but I, you kind of talked about this prior to us recording. You're diving into, you know, the ins and outs of how recruiting kind of works through uh, your organizations. Where does it play? Like, can you kind of go into like, you know, what is your interaction with parents? What is your interaction with the student athletes? And then like, how do you have to, how do you navigate that with uh, athletic directors at the schools or principals at the schools? You kind of like talk on that level for the the individuals that are going to listen, like the value for them to understand uh, your role and like what it means for how, how to either utilize you more around the, the, those areas uh, or who to look for and helping student athletes, you know, get recruited the right way. Absolutely. Um, I love how you touch on the parent piece. Um, that's definitely one that's always funny to me and can always go one of three ways. Um, but that's always the arboring and crazy parent. Uh, the parent that is genuine and just curious, like most people should and preferably would be um, as, far, as far as asking the right questions go for the whole process and you know, wanting to know if their child or student athlete is uh, of a certain talent level or not. And then there's the former parent. And I like to say former parent, meaning former athlete or former uh, high level athlete who had been through that process themselves um, and exposed to that type of, you know, attention and hype and all the kind of media coverage that's kind of the three parent categories that I've experienced so far. I haven't had a fourth. Um, but as far as what we do, um, the famous saying for athletics and scouting and honestly just recruiting as a whole is you never know who's watching. And you kind of like to remind kids that uh, I'm probably one of those people that can confirm that there's plenty of people like myself. Um, there's plenty of people who colleges and universities and staffs will not necessarily employ, but they do ask um, former high school coaches that they trust or former players that happen to live in an area. And there's a top recruit in that area that they like. They'll go and have them attend a game and say, Hey, can you, you know, give us an inside scoop of what you think about the kid. Um, so as far as what we do though, at catapult, it is full-time, uh, scouting nonstop. Um, thankfully, we're in the era of social media and technology. So some of it is a lot easier. Um, but a lot of times I've found that it's more convoluted. So how that works now, and the benefit of what we offer at Catapult, um, we're completely free service to the kids and student athletes and pretty much high school coaches as a whole as a resource um, as an entity, um, and as an individual person. So 
if they do have questions, if parents have questions, if student athletes have questions, and even to um, athletic administrators uh, and principals, if they have questions, they can always reach out um, to us and we'll still get back to you and hopefully answer questions in the best way possible. Um, the best thing besides that, what we do for our staff is free. Um, the universities pay us to do that. And that allows us to work within the confines of the NCAA rules and still operate in the professional manner that uh, college coaches would without all the restrictions of communication and all that kind of stuff like time wise, what time you can message an athlete or their parents. Um, so we go and attend games, events. Um, now, as you guys know, uh, like seven on seven is kind of a big thing for football to make it a little bit more year round. I have my own opinions on that kind of stuff, but it does serve as an opportunity for us to see athletes uh, in a different time of year all year round and provide some sort of athletic evaluation tool um, for some positions. And basically we have uh, an entire national database at Catapult dedicated to uh, building out a profile and always submitting reports and gathering data and especially verified data because that's the most valuable uh, on these prospects to best help them be seen uh, by all the universities that would be potentially uh, interested in recruiting them. So if you're in a hot market like Arizona, California, uh, respectfully Western Washington now, um, the last three years especially, um, but Texas, Florida, Georgia, LS, you know, Louisiana, and arguably a couple other Southern states, and now the Northeast in the DMV area and Boston and Connecticut and New York, uh, there's a huge talent uh, separation between early, early, early prospect identification because there are traits. Um, believe it or not, genetics do matter in this. Uh, and colleges and universities and coaches who trust you or trust who they're uh, seeking information from, they want to get that information as soon as possible on those types of prospects. That would be a best fit for them. Do on that same thought, you were talking about professionally certified uh, material. What is, is that just everything that y'all put into your, your database at catapult? Does that count as professionally certified or is it like certain things that need to be certified for that recruit to be, you know, more eligible than, than those that don't have professionally certified material? Uh, meaning for like what, our what service as a whole? Well, you were saying like the, the recruit profiles had professionally certified. Is it just anything you put in there is professionally certified or is there certain criteria that you have to be doing for the recruit that is being certified? Okay. Yeah. So both actually, um, for the information that does get put in, um, that's more of a verification process and not certification. Um, but the information that we gather, uh, is NCAA um, essentially required at some point that they would like to know it, or at least the university clients would like to know that information because it provides a certain amount of value for that. So as part of our free questionnaire that we ask all of our uh, athletes to fill out, 
they it only takes a couple minutes, but it's just catapultrecruits.com. And on the second form, you'll notice that we ask like for their parents' information or guardians' information. And that will include not just the proprietary contact info, but it will also ask uh, their job occupation, their university, so their alumni status, if they've attended a four-year or two-year. But a lot of universities want to know that information, and especially college coaches want to know. And as we addressed our fanship earlier, that kind of feeds into that question. Um, If you have a parent that graduated from Washington State versus graduating from uh, Central Washington, well, there's no direct competition uh, in that because that's a Division One FBS versus a Division II. Um, and then maybe another regional school uh, as far as a bigger school, like a parent that graduated from Boise State versus a parent that graduated from an Oregon State. That's a different thing. Um, but they want to gain that information and then therefore – that being verified um, provides a, a value that the NCAA uh, certifies for us as eligible information. What, how about this? I know probably a lot of ATs listening because we always love uh, uh, statistics and percentages, especially when we give parent meetings. What mm-hmm. is the percentage of high school? We're mainly talking, fo- y- y'all only do recruiting for football. Or is it scouting for other sports as well? Um, I particularly uh, can scout pretty much any sport, uh, both men's and women's or boys and girls, um, being that it's high school recruiting. Um, But for now, the scouting service for Catapult is just football. So let's talk football. Uh, What's the percentage of recruits that actually go on to play that sport? What's what's the new, new percentage on that? And that's the key word right there is what's the new percentage. Yep. (laughs) Um, The the data that's come out since the transfer portal um, hasn't actually been released. And I was saying that early on in some of the Twitter spaces that I've done, um, even talking with college programs, because essentially what the transfer portal has done, uh, unfortunately to all college athletics, but specifically football, um, we're just recycling talent both up and down and linear throughout the sports. Um, So I'm assuming as athletic administrators and as far as what recruiting goes for all coaches too, because most uh, high school teachers across every state in this country is either a teacher or administrator in some right. Um, We were always told that 10,000 number and being like 7.8% or 10% Uh, And it's less than that, obviously, for sport. But as a whole, pretty much 10% of high school athletes get an opportunity to play college athletics. I would not be shocked if that got completely cut in half and dropped somewhere between 5 to 7%. And you're saying that percentage is at at large, that's every sport, 10% of just a high school athlete in general would go on to play Mm -hmm. at, at, at at a collegiate level of some at some form. Yes. And now I believe that has been cut almost in half. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, that's a big range between five to 7% as far as numbers go. Mm-hmm. Um, but even for football, it's significantly less. Um, however, I understand from the higher levels that that's also what the sport is asking for 
uh, at the end of the day. And there's a tier system reason for that. Uh, but I'm on the side of not liking how it came about and so fast without pr enough Prometheus or provisions um, to prevent what has been happening. So I would still stick with that five to 7%. Yeah, I view it as when, when I was uh, in high school going to, to college again, I was a soccer guy. So, you know, and that, like I said, now, you, you know, you say that the high school students, they're not just competing with themselves. They're competing with all the, the college students that are in the, the transfer portal. Well, you know, I was always told, and, and then I told my players when I coached too, is, is, you know, at the time, right. I wasn't competing with just American high school players to get a college scholarship. I was competing with the world uh, because it's, you know, soccer is a world sport. And I think, you know, it's just kind of, uh, the way it is now kind of transitioned over, right? You know, it's just not high school players competing with high school players. It's, it's competing with uh, other college athletes, but also, you know, competing with other countries as well, because some of these uh, recruits, like you said, that, you know, they're, they're going to other countries looking um, for talent. So it's, it's definitely a, a, a different, different world than it was obviously, you know, when, when we were in school, um, but, you know, it, all all the females that that I've talked to students that have asked me say, hey, I, you know, what sport do I need to play to get to get a college scholarship? I always tell them play golf, right? You know, yeah. female, <laughs> that's, female, I, I played golf in college, baby. Yeah. You're, you're, that's exactly the sport. Yeah. Female golf is just money's just sitting there, and it's. I hate to clarify, I did not play female golf. I played female, yeah. but you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so I always tell them. I said again, it, it's. It's now you've got to put in the work, obviously, to get good enough to get a scholarship. But, uh, you know, that's what I always told. I said, if, if you don't have a, a favorite sport, but you want to do something to possibly play in college, that's what I always told him. I said, go, go play, uh, go, go play golf. Go, you know, again, if, if you're if you're a basketball player, great. But you're competing for a what, 15 person spot. And, you know, yeah. where and so it's it's. It's de it's definitely a good conversation again from the AD seat uh, that you can have because again you see the big picture you talk about all the the different sports where you know if you know at, when I put my soccer coach hat on if a girl came over and said hey I I'm quitting soccer to go play golf right the coach is going to be a little upset uh, but um, yeah I, I definitely think that the world is different than now than obviously twenty years ago whenever I had to go through it. Nick, how, how, the other one I think that comes up before we kind of maybe transition into the, you know, the aspiring AD topic, what, you know, multi-sport athletes versus, you know, specified athletes, where's that conversation these days? I'm like, I'm going to assume even when we were, when Freddie and I were just getting going and being in ADs, like that was the thing, like, don't just do one, you need to do multi-sports how much does that play into your profiles uh, for kids being recruited? It's big, um, especially knowing that it's still the model of identifying more holistic uh, valued athletes, meaning they have intrinsic skills that they've learned and uh, essentially adapted their bodies to over time physically by learning those movements uh, by way of playing another sport, right? So similar movements to playing outfield in baseball translate to playing defensive back in football. Um, 
there's certain movements in basketball that do translate to football. There's particular both psychological and physical and other movements that are explosive twitch movements that you get from football that do apply back to the other two sports mentioned in baseball and uh, basketball. Um, now that other sports have gotten more popular, uh, especially soccer, lacrosse, um, not necessarily on the West Coast, but field hockey is kind of making a comeback here and there. Uh, but there are movements because we're essentially playing on similar surfaces and just with a different set of rules and maybe a stick in your hands or not. Um, there are movements that are exemplified in similarity, maybe not at the amount of force generated at a high level, uh, but they are very similar movements and the constant notion of staying competitive throughout the year in some facet that's kind of a big thing still uh for us and that kind of goes hand in hand with the conversation before too with the transfer portal and uh what is the number now for athletes getting a college opportunity is are we seeing the professionalization of more sports taking place because of that um, yes and no to that question. Whereas football, I can still say no for now because there is a physical data set that, you know, pretty much for every position you have to achieve in order to earning a certain level of scholarship or opportunity. You have to look a certain way, play a certain way, move a certain way, um, and just so happened to meet the academic and other standards set forth by the NCAA and the institution you're being recruited by. Whereas for college baseball um, and basketball, where they're still pretty much basketball is a skill-based sport. Don't let anybody tell you different. Um, but for the recruiting side of it, you have to be an elite athlete still. Um, and that transgressed from the early you know, 70s to the 80s to the 90s for that sport. And to now where pretty much a NBA basketball player is still an Olympic level athlete as a whole, that is now taking place more so early on for football, um, where you'll see those freak athletes develop sooner and playing multiple sports translates to that. Um, and that also from that conversation, I always, again, lead back into, well, some parents and administrators will have questions about seven on seven because a lot of states uh, and associations are wanting to have some version of spring football, uh, non-contact though, of course, being that seven on seven or flag for women's um, to offer and sanction as a state sport that's kind of a tough thing because my rule of thumb even for now is still seven on seven is cool um however i really do not care as an evaluator who you play for while wearing spandex um it's just not my thing and i always would because i've owned and coached uh two seven-on-seven teams and organizations where we had multiple teams in the past, my thing was I would never step on the toes 
of any high school or uh, particular other sports uh, for a varsity coach. And that was my uh, requirement was if you play varsity for another sport in this time of the year, because seven on seven goes from winter through spring pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you play another varsity sport during that time, you will not be playing seven on seven for me because that's not the point. I'd like to use seven on seven as a developmental uh, period and concept of time where I can go teach other things and maybe help quarterbacks who aren't the varsity because usually the varsity quarterback will be playing baseball or basketball, hopefully, um, but they'll still be throwing. So I would take that time to develop younger quarterbacks and teach them more about the X's and O's and tailor it to the school that they were attending for their offense. And um, there's a lot of structural things there too. But as far as what playing multiple sports goes, do something. And I don't care if it's golf. I don't care if it's other things. As long as you're maintaining uh, a competitive nature throughout the year, that's something even I strive to do still. Like, what is something that I can do to uh, maintain my competitive nature? Yeah, I mean, and to to kind of close this section, uh, you know, talking about that Jalen Calhoun kid from Duke, you know, when we were going through his recruiting, um, Cutcliffe, Coach Cutcliffe actually came down to the school to speak with him and his parents. And uh, we had just come off a, a two-time basketball uh, state championship run, and and he was thinking about not playing basketball. He just wanted to focus on uh, football, getting ready for Duke football. And, you know, because he was, he was going to go in as like the number six or seventh receiver. Like he wasn't going to get much playing time that first year. So he wanted to do everything he could to, to um, get better. Uh, but Cutcliffe s- sat in the football coach's office and looked him straight in the eye and said, I want you to play basketball. So you're no good to me if you're not a multi-sport athlete. So, um, you know, coming from, you know, one of the best in the business, like if you want to say with, with Coach Cutcliffe, you know, it's um, definitely, like I said, that's a, whole, that's a whole other episode in itself. I'm very passionate about multi-sport athletes, so we may have to do that one um, here here pretty soon. You're going to have to have a panel for that. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, to do a multi-sport uh, athlete conversation, we're going to have to have a whole roundtable of ADs on that call for sure, Freddie. Uh, to round out this this part of the segment, we're, we're about to take an ad break. When we come back, we're going to dive into Nick, uh, your aspiring AD piece, uh, kind of give some some tips, you know, tools and tricks of the trade on how to get into that. But uh, I was going to just kind of round this one off. For all, uh, y'all ADs listening to this one, just note, Keep it in your parent meetings about multi-sport participation because we still need participation numbers to stay up in all of our sports. So make sure you're you're encouraging those kids, whether they're uh, they're a top prospect for for a certain sport, that multi-sport athletes um, are still warranted and needed, and it's uh, developmental wise makes sense uh, physically, mentally, and just being well-rounded. So. We're going to hit this ad break. When we come back, we're going to dive into just a few things about being an aspiring AD, how to kind of get into the field, uh, how to get into the industry, and then uh, how to get going in the profession. So we'll uh, listen to the Wall of Fame once again, and we'll see you in a few seconds. A Vital Signs Wall of Fame, we understand it is your content that tells the best story about your school district's legacy. Our dedicated staff of content experts will work with you on an ongoing basis to create the most compelling tributes for your Wall of Fame that will engage your whole community. Whether you wanna do it yourself or turn it over to us, our content program has options to fit your needs. 
Nick, when uh, you you had been reached, you and I had been going back and forth on Twitter and LinkedIn, and you had you had explained to me like, hey, you know, you can always find jobs. You know, there's things you can look at LinkedIn. You can look at uh, there's multiple job sites these days. Obviously, eight high school athletic director jobs don't really get posted all the time on there, especially maybe in in where you're from in like the in the in the Northwest and. Uh, remind me, you're currently in a master's of science. Are you in a master's program for athletic administration? Yes, I am. Is that central? Is that CWU? Uh, no, it is through uh, a school in Utah, but Utah Tech, so formerly oh. Dixie State. Oh. Um, and I chose this one because of both cost and timeliness. Like. Mm-hmm as you all know too, like the best thing to do usually in our field, um, not just mine, particularly if I want to still pursue a collegiate or professional uh, sport position and work for a pro organization or co- another college institution. Uh, it's best to usually go be a graduate assistant and get compensated that way. And then hopefully get a free master's if that's how they package it. Um, and I just, couldn't see myself living in Ellensburg for another two years, uh, given my undergrad background and how long it took uh, for me transferring uh, colleges twice for just playing football um, and still trying to achieve my education. So I'm getting my master's at Utah Tech, which is a so far an awesome program. So that do they do they do any type of uh, like job? Do they have like a job board or show different jobs or is it? And if they do, is it mainly stuck to Utah for you? Uh, as of right now, yes, and not necessarily stuck to Utah, but also some neighboring states. Um, being that you guys are now in the South too, um, especially you being uh, in Eastern Washington, you've probably seen some of the struggles uh, that I've now identified the past couple of years with this problem. Um Arizona is a better market for finding athletic director jobs, um, both public and private. And then California, because it's so large. And then sometimes you'll have those schools in Nevada, uh, particularly the Las Vegas market uh, or Henderson. And Utah in itself has a good amount, Um, but it just has to really, as far as what I've seen, it has a lot to do with whether or not your state's athletics model has made some sort of positive progression and gotten rid of the archaic policies, you know, as far as how athletics are valued. And I've, I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith or hope, I guess, um, in some of my state's future endeavors because of some of the policies that they still have. Um, and that's kind of been hindering some of those future opportunities for me, um, especially on the sad note, like I was inspired to go into school for this field and by an athletic administrator of my own. Hmm. And he also was an assistant principal at the time. And he actually moved back down uh, to our, to our area. And for the same reasons that, I'm having now were the reasons why he left Mm. uh, the school district. And we're at a phenomenal school district, um, especially for sports and, and academics combined. Um, 
being that you were up in Wenatchee, I'm sure you probably heard of Sumner um, oh, at yeah. some point. Yeah. So, um, but Jeff Baines mm-hmm. uh, was our athletic director for in the building. And then Tim Thompson was our athletic director for the district. But Jeff Baines inspired me to like actually pursue the administrative side of things because he understood uh, I like to see the omniscient point of view. And he's like, that's something that you need to have before you get that job. So he ended up taking a better paying position after we graduated my class uh, at a school district up north. And that was purely out of position and how the school district down here at the time valued athletics titles. And should they be paying assistant principals um, a certain amount more because they monitor or help be uh, a supporting administrator for athletics when they already have a district athletic director, which um, between two high schools and a good group of middle schools, um, that doesn't seem uh, like a crazy thought to anybody, Um, but they don't even have athletic directors in the middle schools. That's another thing that's different uh, up here where they usually just like to stipend it out uh, to teachers who or coaches who want to essentially just volunteer, um, but for the bonus stipend check at the middle schools to be that designated person of contact and helping the athletic programs at the middle school be ran and operated. Um, that's certainly not a positive outlook on how the industry should be, um, interscholastically at least. And I'm just kind of at that stuck point where I know what I'm doing is the right step because I definitely need to get my master's to further prove and enlighten myself to more things to earn such a position. But at the same time, like I do not see a future that doesn't involve some sort of move away. I'll, I'll hit on this really fast and Freddie, you can tag on just because I know we're kind of running up on, on our time here. I, uh, so I have, I went and got two master's degrees, one's in business and then one's in athletic administration for the sole purpose of being able to do whatever kind of, uh, that program did allow me to have access to see job postings. You're spot on Nick. It is night and day across every state, what an AD does. And I think the profession at large is stipend based in middle schools. Some are more robust and actually do have full-time jobs. That depends on how big the middle school is. Uh, you have district ADs, you have high school building ADs that are split ADs that are APs, ADs. I think most of us on this pod would probably say if you're a split AD AP, it's hard to do both jobs. Well, uh, I think you get tugged in one direction all the time and then, or the other direction, and then you, the other one gets neglected. You have, you know, full-time ADs or district ADs who might oversee a middle school plus a high school, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, don't get me wrong. Everyone would love for the AD job to be a more, you know, equ- you know, equated to what an, uh, an assistant principal or a principal would be. Um, but the, the responsibilities are different depends on what you look like and where your value is with athletics. And if you understand what interscholastic athletics looks like for education-based, um, some of the things on that though, like when I got into it in Washington state, it was, you know, I, I like you, 
uh, at Sumner, right? I had I had Jim Beeson and, and Russ Waterman. I can name off a lot of these guys in the in the central part of Washington that that like helped me get in and, and learn things. I was middle school based. Then I then I got a district AD job after my master's programs went through. Uh, and I was, I was over high schools and middle schools, um, and had, you know, no, no joke, uh, people at middle schools that had the stipend, same idea, uh, and that challenge there, but it took me a hard time to find those jobs. And, and some of the, the, one of the one main resource to find jobs in your area, the WIA has a job posting site. And most people think that just coaches jobs get posted there and school districts will put AD jobs there. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of AD jobs now in the state of Washington, at least in Oregon, are moving to you know your own. You're you're focused at being an athletic director. You're not split AP, and you need the principal's credential. Uh, you need to just be an athletic director, uh, and and you can do that job. The OADA has that same section. If you go on to their um, the Oregon Athletic Director Association, as well as the I believe Oregon's interscholastic athletic site. They have a job posting there as well. And I know multiple state associations, high school based, and some of the AD associations have job posting sections of their websites that allow you to see those jobs when they get posted. It's very hard to find sometimes the right fit for you where you're at. So the move thing, I had to move away from Wenatchee uh, multiple times to go do the AD job because a lot of times you're you're getting into that position and it's not readily available where you're at, especially in rural areas. Uh, Freddie, you want to, you want to tag on there before we. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, if you don't mind moving, check the NIAAA. Um, cause they, they have a job posting as well. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's another thing is, is, you know, if you don't know what the NIAAA is by now, um, then I guess Scott and I haven't spoke too much about it, but, uh, or we need to speak a little more about it, but it's it's basically the the National AD Association, um, and you know they 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 have and part of their forum and their membership portal they have a a job board. Um, so you know they and then this it's always current. They they have AD stuff, they have assistant AD, they have some coaches and things like that. Um, you know, so that's where you kind of look. Like I said, I think you know every every state, like you said, is different. Um, but finding it, but just to get your foot in the door. Um, but, you know, I always told Pete, you know, ADs that I've talked to is, um, you know, sometimes you just need to go volunteer as a volunteer assistant AD, right. Or as a associate AD or whatever they want to call you. Um, and just, just to be around the game, um, I would definitely, uh, staying on the NIAAA route, I would definitely start taking those NIAAA classes to get your certification, um, you know, RAA and CAA and all the way up to CMAA, but at least to get the RAA, just to get started and have that AD certification. Because I will say um, the first high school I got the AD job at coming from middle school to an, to a high school, uh, that was one of the the things that put me over um, one of the other candidates has already had my certification. Um, so, and again, I, like I said, I was, um, at the middle school, uh, I can, I had some, I have some great mentors that said, go get the certification. Um, but I think, you know, definitely getting that certification, um, will show future employers that you are, you are, um, really invested in the program. And, and not only that is, you know, taking those classes, whether it be, you know, online or in person at your state or, or national conferences, um, also op opens up the networking piece of it, right? I mean, we, we've been saying for years, it's it's not really what you know, it's who you know. 
Um, so it's uh, it's one of those is you know if I was moving to the state of of Texas and I was looking for a job, then I can pick up the phone and call a good bit of people and say, hey, I need help finding a job. Um, and same with with Denver or wherever you know that um, my path made may lead me. So I would I would that would be my two things is uh, is get your certification um, and get uh, get get networking. So is there any person that's listening uh, listening that you know wants to get in? That would be my two uh, top priorities: is uh, certification and networking. And just to add, Nick, there like i think a lot of ad's listening would agree that even once they get the seat at you know seat in an in a district as the athletic director you like most ad's have to fight a lot to literally get a foothold of why their job is is such an important role and some districts totally see it as yes we need an athletic director we need a district athletic director we need this it's not a stipend it's not someone splitting their time but it's a like state to state it is a struggle to make sure that ADs have a full-time position in schools because of the the time commitment to it, to foster programs and to do it the job well. And obviously our tagline is, is all day after dark, all duties, because you are working all the time because athletics happen after school. So you have to be there during the day and then you have to be there at the end of the day to, you know, till the lights turn off literally uh, to make sure things are done and everyone goes home because no one else is doing that for the, for the district. Right. So I, a lot of individuals listening easily know, like you all, you know, if you have an, a superintendent that understands athletics, great, that actually helps. But if you don't, and it's more the academic side, principal side, like you are having to literally explain why your job's important and, and the funding and, and all of that. So uh, you're not wrong on that perspective, you know, of some districts get it, some don't because, but, state to state, it's vastly different in how that role is utilized and you're never, it's never consistent. Yep. And that that's a perfect way of putting it because some value it as a whole. And then even too, uh, depending on the area of the school, they might value it a ton, but have limited resources still. <laughs> so I I've seen, some of those types of positions, but overall I'm, I'm still excited and, you know, searching and constantly trying to work and find things. So I'm glad I am familiar with uh, the NIAAA and I've seen some of the certifications uh, to achieve and go seek that education as well. So that'll definitely be my next step on top of my master's. Absolutely. Yeah. Dive into that. Uh, Start reaching out to some, you know, anyone local to where you're at. Uh, to just maybe get, you know, can I help site supervise? Can I help do, you know, this just to see the, the, the behind the scenes that the master's program doesn't really teach you, uh, because it's good to understand fundraising. It's good to understand how to do budgeting. It's good to understand how to market. Uh, it's a whole different deal when you're having to deal with the, you know, the toilet clogged, at you know, 9 PM and the hot dog makers stopped working and, uh, you know, so-and-so had a fight in the stance and you're the only supervisor on site that night. Uh, those things to see in person are, are nicer to have because when you are interviewing, you can explain that, you know, I've seen this, I know this happens. I know this isn't just, you know, a, a, an eight to four job, um, like some, you know, a lot of principal positions are or something along those lines. So I, uh, definitely when you look for job postings, also just go do research of the school district. It'll be very apparent if that district is 
you know, educational athletics based, it'll be very obvious to see that they have a presence with athletics. And, and then maybe that would be, I'll, I'll apply for that one, or at least have the interview process. Um, those would probably be my biggest tips. Awesome. Thank you. I will. You're welcome, Nick. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, no, thank you both. I love talking shop. I love talking football, love learning uh, more about not only what, you know, we do as a whole for administration, but there's so many other facets or career paths with, you know, either sports management as your education or career path. And eventually like all three of us, I'm sure, but the athletic administration or potentially sports administration masters. Absolutely. I, uh, Freddie got any, any, uh, coattails on this one? No, I think we hit it home. Like I said, just, just get involved, uh, state level, national level. And, um, and just build your network and you know that 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 helps with the recruiting side too so uh, you know that i'm big on just getting out and, and you know shaking hands and kissing babies so i uh amen absolutely nick we wish you the best in in getting into the into the field whether that's at the collegiate level um for athletic administration or the or the interscholastic level at the high schools uh we do wish you the best there we will definitely be pumping out your information on social media i know you have a a great Twitter follow. Uh, we'll also throw you out on LinkedIn and whatnot through when we release this episode. Uh, we'll put Nick's information uh, as well as catapult sports on the website, the 80 podcast.com. Uh, so anyone that wants to reach out to Nick, or maybe you have uh, tidbits that you want to give him uh, his, his contact information will be on there email wise, as well as the, the site for catapult sports. Uh, if you have any things that you want to throw us again, athletic director pod at gmail.com. Um, and like I already said, the adpodcast.com is where obviously all of our episodes are are posted. You can listen. You obviously know where to listen to them on the platform you like. But you can find all that there as well as guest bios, just as just like Nick, as well as as well as uh, the in, information and the resources that we talked about. So catapult sports, or um, I might even throw in obviously some of these websites where to find uh, postings for jobs. So like the NIAAA and and whatnot. So on that line. Nick, thank you for your time, and we will look forward to uh, seeing you all next time. Until next time, I'm Scott. I'm Freddie. I'm Nick. Thank you for listening to the AD Podcast, where we fully understand what AD truly stands for. It's your working all day, after dark, and handling all duties. Thoughts become things, y'all. We'll see you next time. Bring your school's legacy to life with the Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. Our interactive display highlights your greatest moments and top performers, both past and present, across athletics, academics, and the arts. But it's also so much more. With our one-of-a-kind content program, we help you every step of the way so you can tell more compelling stories that will engage your whole community.